0: The Stalk Talks podcast brings you intelligent discussions of topical issues inspired by the international city of peace and justice.
1: I think we all know what we need to do. Problems, they come like a costume. They fit you.
0: Remove our inner critic and open our inner, you know, curiosity. eh?
1: You know,
2: nothing speaks louder than money. Walk in, slam
1: your
0: fist on the table, say.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We have to work together right. <laughs> something has to change welcome back to another episode of stalk talks I'm Tom and I'm Zoe and this week we talk fun guy and
0: more specifically we dig into the world of vertical agriculture. For those of you who've heard of the term but can't quite recall what it's all about, vertical agriculture is a type of urban farming that often incorporates a controlled environment, such as a greenhouse, and aims to optimize plant growth through soilless farming techniques such as hydroponics, aquaponics, and aeroponics.
1: Okay, so we will probably come back to those ponics later, I think, Tom. But essentially, the main advantages of utilising vertical farming technologies is higher crop yield from smaller units of land or space, Uh, Crops are also more resistant to weather disruptions because of their placement indoors and because of its uh, limited land usage. Vertical farming is also less disruptive to native plants and animals, leading to better conservation of local flora and fauna. And of course, less pesticides are needed. So I think of the wild bees we spoke about with Evelyn of Haagse Sahoning Tom, the other week.
0: Yeah, indeed, Zoe. It sounds like a win-win. But vertical farming technologies have large startup costs and also require a large amounts of energy due to their need for additional lighting. But if there's one thing that loves the dark, it's fungi. And this morning we are delighted to welcome Annalise Goedbloed of the Haarzuwam or the Hague fungus on Stoke Talks.
1: Great to have you on the show with us, Annalise. Thank you so much, Sally. So Annelies, perhaps we can just start with with the basics. Why mushrooms? Why coffee? And also a small personal question for me at the end. What is a mushroom ball?
2: Yeah. uh, Why coffee? Why fungi? My inspiration lies with Hunter Pauli. And he's from the Blue Economy. But the main part is look at the pain points of a city, of a local community. And we drink in the netherlands a lot of coffee i believe so yes yeah yeah we do (laughs) uh and we are per capita the most drinking coffee of the whole world wow so you only drink 0.02 percent of the coffee actually you leave 99.8 percent behind which is the spent coffee ground that's a lot That's a lot. So if you have one million kilo of coffee grounds, imagine what is the amount? Can you imagine one million kilo coffee grounds? It's a football stadium full. So we have at least six million kilo coffee grounds a year in The Hague, at least. So this is the start. And our waste is mostly burned which is bad for the environment. So this is the start, Mm. and we can give it a second chance. We can actually give it a third chance, but that's next. The second chance is to use it as a ground, as a ground for a specific fungi, but not every fungi loves this coffee ground, but the grey oyster mushroom is loving the coffee ground. And the third chance is using our microstrate, which is the leftover of our growing mushrooms, is also an opportunity to use as tart of compost. Good compost. Very good. So then we have the circularity. And this was the main part of my
1: company five years ago. Great to know, yeah, how it all started. And then when we were looking on your website, we saw that you've obviously expanded uh, since you you began. And we noticed some quite attractive looking Food that was that was on display there, and I think this is where we came across the trans. Where I came across the translated um, mushroom balls, yes. and I was just intrigued by, <laughs> by that because in English it sounds a bit strange. Well, also in Dutch,
2: I can tell you, <laughs> it sounds strange. So per year, we eat three hundred million of these vegetables, but we do not have a vegetarian or a vegan one. And we have discovered in the meantime that we can make these mushroom bowls. We are capable of doing this. And we are making more good food because a bitter bowl is not really good food if you think of the amount of oil in it. So we we actually are making the tapenade of mushrooms, which is also a vegan product. So we are bringing good food local to a city. Do you know what the average distance is for your food on a plate? 30,000 kilometers. Normally, average. So we want to change the system. We can never sit back and think, okay, this is it. No, because we we want to improve and not stop doing that every time we can do better and this is learning from fungi because fungi in nature are normally eaters in nature making big things small if you are dead you can be eaten by Specific fungi within a year, and nothing is left over
1: of you. Okay, so they help to break things down, basically, in the natural world. So
0: we want to specifically talk about vertical agriculture because it fits in cities. But what are some of the major advantages that you see with vertical agriculture, the one you practice at Hasa Swamp, and perhaps what are some of the challenges of this approach as well?
2: Yeah, well, I think there has to be a lot of challenges taken because it's about how good is your product. Uh, and what do you want to eat we don't want to eat pesticides i don't think so so if we do this in-house you can eliminate the pesticides but we also use the ground for growing and you need good ground for growing and a good thing is that there are more nutrients in the ground and there that there is life in the ground so if you are going to do this on a vertical way you well you eliminate the climate circumstances so you for sure can have food available but the the thing of good food is also laid in the ground which is now coming up so i'm doing two things i have the ground for the fungi by the coffee ground which is a good ground so From there on, I'm making the compost, which I'm using for the microgreens. And microgreens are small plants. It's not a small carrot or a small plant egg or something. It's only the seed growing and they're using the most of the elements
1: from the seed. So a lot of nutrition are in a small plant. Right. Are Are these the micro vegetables that you mentioned? The micro-greens, yeah, the micro-vegetables, yeah.
0: In in the warehouse, correct me if I'm wrong, they're hanging, you're, you're hanging the, the, the coffee grounds. Was that a, a conscious choice or was it just possible because fungi can grow that way?
2: Everything I, I made a decision of is a conscious uh, decision. We have to do with a hygiene factor in our farm and it's very clean working. So it's ne- nothing touching. You can clean the ground under without any problem. So it's nice to see what's actually going on and you have a clean area. It's very transparent. Come and visit me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd be very happy to. I mean, this all sounds amazing, Anneliese, but I think what are the disadvantages or what are the challenges? Because I'm sure there must be some. The main challenge were the conditions for the mushrooms. Because you mentioned earlier that you
2: need a dark room, but we also need a room with light and enough humidity in it and enough air in it. So the conditions, this, this is the most challenging
1: thing of having a, a real farm. The startup costs, I think, are quite high. Is, is that true? Explain to me what is high. Compared to more traditional agricultural, traditional farming, should we say?
2: Well, I started, I had a 24-7 work week. So I'm saying this after five years, but at the time I was working like 24-7 to, to build it up, literally build it up with building and growing at the same time. So I was learning by doing and had the opportunity to have enough space where I can build my rooms with it. And... Succeeded in growing mushrooms and having my son as a robot, robotic engineer, and building the system. Mom, I can do cheaper at the end, it was more expensive actually. But yeah, (laughs) well, doing just doing things, and yeah, I was convinced in where I was headed to, and my husband was getting crazy of me because I was on the phone morning or well. So good luck. And i see you tonight. I can cook for you. That's the only thing I can do for you. And uh, so I had to do it on my own.
1: No, I, I appreciate it was tough. Uh, maybe uh, Annalise, because we're also quite fascinated by, th- by this idea that, as you said, we want to keep food local. And our understanding is that you collect the coffee grounds from a 10 kilometer radius and that also some of your producers have collected and even delivered by bicycle. So could you tell us how that works in terms of sort of the, the carbon footprint of your of your business and how you try to keep that down? It's not very complicated. Just think if you are driving a car. So the best
2: way to do it, it's local. We collect the coffee ground by bikes every morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. And we are bringing the food to the people they want. For orders from outside the city, we can do this by by post, by mail. Actually, we send Mm -hmm. the package. What we can do better is that there are more farmers like us, and we say, if you're from Utrecht, go to Fungi Factory and buy your stuff over there. They have the same stuff we Mm -hmm. have, and if you're in Dordrecht, go to patrick from kwekensgilde and buy your stuff over there etc cetera, etc cetera. so in arnhem
1: nijmegen tilburg there are all all kind of people like me and they are coming more well i think that that brings you onto a question tom doesn't it indeed
0: so we wanted to move on and one of the questions that we had was related
1: to hydroponic
0: agriculture uh, the netherlands is a world leader and uh, it's a specific type of urban farming, this hydroponic agriculture. And do you think that this sort of thing that you're doing here at Hasselswam as well could be expanded to other countries given the wide experience that the Dutch have in, in this type of agriculture?
2: Yeah, that's no problem. You just have to teach people and they can do it on their way because the difference on another place, on another spot is different. We have here the problems. So, and there the culture is different. So do it your way over there. If you enter Starbucks, you do not know where you are, in which city, throughout the world. If you enter a McDonald's, it's the same thing. It's stupid. Really? Why? The, the funny thing is, if you recognize a culture and you recognize a city or a place with people, fill it in in your own way. You can feel what is necessary in your city, in your community. Why all standards? No, sorry, I was almost using a
1: bad word. <laughs> I guess you're, you're not into then the global branding. <laughs> I'm not into global branding. No, that's obvious, <laughs> I think. So what
0: c- concretely, would be the, the what that people would need to take with them to be able to do something like this in, in other countries and to make sure that the culture is integrated into that as well?
2: Look, what is the, the biggest pain in your community? I have Japanese people. The thing is that in Japan... All the people are going to the city. So they're thinking, oh, we do not have any farmers left over in our country. You can think of doing city farming or vertical farming in a city, in an old building. You can use and change it and make it a sort of hype by doing this with young people. And then you are combining stuff because the young people do not want to do the farming anymore and they want to be a part of the city.
1: I think it's a problem worldwide is that there's large numbers of people moving from rural areas into urban areas. And as you say, the rural areas are, are facing depopulation and then the urban areas are really overpopulated. So this, yeah, vertical agriculture is is potentially an answer there. But you mentioned also these, what you call pain points, Annalise. And when, just before we started our interview, you also mentioned some of the pain points that are specific to The Hague and that you're wanting to really tackle. Uh, Could you tell us a bit more about that? You mentioned the Binkhorst and some of the ground there that, that could potentially be cleaned or, or in some way treated th- through what you're doing just yeah well if you have a polluted ground polluted ground by for instance heavy metals
2: and some other stuff you can you can clean it by injecting it with bacteria and fungi together and every step is taken in a different way but then you can clean it and then you give flowers a chance to grow this is the exchange that will happen through the soil and the plants on the bath. But step by step, you can clean the ground in that way. Fascinating. And this is
1: something you, you're you obviously, you're, you're working towards as well. I, I
2: really want to do this job. It's it's just a pilot on the Bing course. It's a small area near, do the Rowan club, because I'm a member of the rowing club. I think we can really do better because if you, in a classic way, clean the ground, You take it off put it away and put some clean area on top of it but you still have this polluted ground somewhere someplace and what are you going to do with it make somebody unhappy or 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 what you you still have to clean it (laughs) you're still laughing tom
1: (laughs) i'm
0: admiring your your enthusiasm and the 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 message that you're sharing with just we can do better and there's so much more there's so many pain points that we need to tackle and Sometimes you need someone to say, just take the first step. And it may be a very complicated problem, but just take the first step and then think about how complicated and all the other issues and everything that might come after. But just start doing it. And for me, that that hands-on approach, that's that's what puts a smile on my face. Yeah, that's
2: it. We need it too.
0: In this case, you really are having a hands-on approach. And this is not just in the farming itself, but also in the people that help you farm these, these fungi on coffee grounds. Your business has a very high uh, social aspect to it as well. 66% of the employees who work at Hasselsfam uh, have, find themselves with distance to the labor market, but who are uh, given an, another chance. And uh, me and Zoe were wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how this works.
2: Well, there are at the moment 23,000 people who can have a job, doesn't have a job. They're just... Is that sorry? Is that in the Hague? Yeah, just just the Hague. So twenty three thousand who needs to well get used to have a job to get used to get out of your bed at seven o'clock, go to the company at (laughs) half past eight or so. Yeah, well that's it. So actually, they can get in shape at our place because Mm -hmm. we have a job where you can do things. You don't need education at my place what is most important we we have three things for us which are important for everybody in our company this is trust honesty and respect everybody needs it so if you can give it you also can have it back so this is what we do we ask for companies to co- or the government the local government to to work together, they know the people who need a job. So my question always is, what do you want to do? If you want to get out of your bed, if you want to get out of your house, if you want to have a job, you are more than welcome. And then we see what's happening. Like I have people who do the best they can in the job they want at my place. That's the best for everybody. I'm not asking you Mm -hmm. to to, to do some very complicated mathematical question
1: equation <laughs>
2: something like that because you think oh no um you are not doing this job because you like it so that's the same at my place you can go whenever you want to go if you think so i i learned a
1: lot and i want to go on fine by me we have a free country so do so Perhaps we can just uh, finish off with um, a question, obviously, sort of on behalf of our listeners. People who've listened to you have felt inspired by your obvious passion for this apparently ever-growing project. If someone feels they'd like to perhaps visit or learn more about what you do, or perhaps even try their own growing of mushrooms using their own coffee grounds, what can you suggest for them? What advice do you have?
2: So then I have to, to tell you how it started for me, <laughs> I just had a growing kid from Rotterdam, and I was working mm. with the guys. and And I wasn't completely understanding: what these mushrooms? What are the mushrooms? It's it's a a sort of nasty picture. I I I I did not recognize these 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 gray oyster mushrooms, and I was saying, ah oh, it's like a thomas, what, what is it?" So I start just starting growi- growing, growing. And it was a huge, huge, huge success because they grow uh, at the top and at the side together. So this is actually how it started with me. And I was thinking, wow, that's easy. And it's growing. These mushrooms are so simple because it's nature. They grow by themselves. You You do not have to do anything about them almost. So the only thing I gave them was my love and they grow. And wow. And then you start looking, watch you grow, it, it looks marvelous. So this is how it started. And then I was thinking, oh my God, I can start this and I can do this on my own. So this is how it started. Th- that was five years ago. In February, I started with the, the, the small training of Rotterdam. And a month later, I had two students from The Hague University of Applied Science we have collected coffee grounds, but I didn't have a company. I didn't have a place. So we started in our house to grow the mushrooms. So my, my husband opened another room and he was, shit, here are also
1: the mushrooms growing. I hate the mushrooms. <laughs> so I had to move out of the Mushrooms house. were taking over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I guess from this, we we can understand, Annalise, that it's quite easy to do, perhaps, for for, for people who want to try maybe at home. This is something they can try at home. Yeah, you can try this at home. If if a, a small bucket is...
0: That's exactly what, what I was going to close off with as well, is to say that both to thank you, Annelies, for all of your stories and for your enthusiasm. Thank you. Um, yeah. And simultaneously also that if people want to know more about Haagse Swam, about the How to Grow Coffee Grounds yourself, perhaps try out the Haagse, yeah, mushroom balls, as Zoe called them in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can find all of that on the website at uh, www.haagseswam.com
1: but for our listeners please stay tuned for another episode at the same time next week and as always you can follow us on instagram facebook uh, and find our podcast on anchor and also please know that we are now also on youtube yeah hopefully we'll see you back in the next
0: episode and uh, we do recommend please do check out the youtube because it's fantastic to see the enthusiastic hand gestures that annalise made during this uh, this interview and it would be a shame to miss out on those stay tuned and thank you for listening